Well, good morning. My name is Kevin Barra. Uh, I'm one of the youth pastors here at Grace, and uh, I'm mainly at the Anderson campus, but um, as part of the Proverbs series, we've been kind of filtering around, jumping to different campuses, and uh, filling in for one another as pastors have been out on vacation and that sort of thing. So, so glad to be with you here this morning. Um, we are going to be talking about plans, get ready, and we are going through the book of Proverbs, so you can definitely flip open your Bible But we will be jumping all over the place. So if you are a master of sword drills, you get ready. Um, If not, uh, the the references will be on the uh, website later on, uh, and you can take notes along the way. Uh, But we're going to be talking about plans. And to jump us off, I would say this. There are two types of people in the world. There are those who make plans and those who don't. And God typically allows these two people to get married, right? (laughs) Uh, And that's my experience. Um, I was never a planner growing up, uh, but my wife is, and uh, recently, just this past January, we went on a vacation uh, to Disney World. And I don't know if you ever plan to go to Disney World at some point, um, but you need one, okay? And I don't know if you realize this or not. This is a countdown calendar. Uh, there were numbers behind the Mickeys and Minis. Um, I have three children, and so they rotated uh, who could put a sticker on. The uh, pink bows are for Minis. That was for Peyton. Uh, the non-pink bows right there, uh, that's for Micah. And uh, Jesse just kind of filled in whenever he could. I got three kids, uh, little kids, very excited about this. Uh, this was a month out, people. But that is just the tip of the iceberg of our planning. And 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 just so you know, I I need to tread lightly on this subject uh, because planners don't like you making fun of their plans. Um, But but more than a year out, uh, she, uh, my wife Hillary, love her. She's phenomenal. She'll be at the second service, um, so don't tell her what happens. Um, She she began putting a binder together uh, to plan our fun, right? Um, and Disney forces you into this, if you don't know this yet. Disney actually makes you set plans six to eight years out, and so you can set up and, and plan your way forward. And so literally, we get to the airport. Where do we go? Where do we travel? Well, let's open up the binder to general information, and let's get that going. Uh, let's look at hotel information. Where are we going to eat tonight? Okay, well, we got dining plans. Okay, there's princesses to meet, uh, books we need to get signed. We have a plan for all of it. And, and I was talking to her about using this illustration example um, as an example. And she said, okay, look, you better not throw me under the bus. And I said, I said, baby, it was amazing. And she asked me at one point in it, hey, do you have anything you want to plan along the trip? Is there anything you would like to do? There's no good answer to that question. <laughs> And so I responded the best way I knew. Gentlemen, pick up on this, all right? Um, Your plan looks perfect. That's the way you respond to that. And I'll tell you what, it was a great plan. And we did have a great time. And, And we didn't have to stay in a line. We did fast passes like three months in advance. We knew the rides we were going to see. We got our books filled out, every character to sign. My son got kissed by Tiana, okay? All of this part of the plan, right? Contrast that with me. Uh, when I was in college, uh, I, uh, I spent some time in Colorado uh, with some buddies, and I didn't realize that at, the, um, at this particular point in time, I needed to move out my, of my apartment back home. And I was in Colorado. My apartment was in Austin. And I was like, oh my gosh, what, what am I going to do? And so I was completely unplanned in most of life. And luckily, I had parents cover up my mistakes, jump over and move my apartment for me because I didn't plan. 
And the truth is, whether or not you schedule your plans as well as my wife or not, all of us have plans. And I heard this illustration, and it communicates it well. Uh, All you have to do is play a game called Twice Your Age. Double your age. Where are you? What are you doing? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? Where are you in life? Those are your plans. I mean, we all have plans. Some are just formed better than others. And if you don't plan, the message this morning is this. A failure to plan is a plan to fail. It's a plan to fail, right? I kept on trying to rehearse that, and I kept on saying a plan year, a plan, a failure plan, a plan year. No, it's not a plan year. It's a, a, a failure to plan is a plan for failure. And on the second side of it, those of you who like to plan everything, you like to make plans about your plans, here's the, here's the message for you. We have to release our grip. And really, there's two main categories of plans that we're going to talk about this morning. There are bad plans that lead to bad places. That's the first category of bad plans. And you may be asking yourself, can there be a bad plan? Is it possible? Well, Disney knows there are such things as bad plans. I've got a five-year-old daughter, and in preparation for our Disney trip, we watched every Disney movie we could. And one of the movies was called Tangled, right? In the movie Tangled, uh, Rapunzel is in a tower, and she escapes the, the witch and goes experiences life in the real world. And uh, a guy named Flynn Rider is kind of tagging along with her, and they arrive at, a, at a, a pub, a tavern. And there's all these hard men there. And she doesn't know the danger that she just walked into. She's uh, uh, just unaware. She's naive. And as she walks into that place, she asks them a simple question. Haven't you ever had a dream? And these hard men that just look like, look like a bunch of Vikings suddenly answer that question in the only way Disney can, in song, right? <laughs> and the first guy launches off with this, I'm malicious, mean, and scary. My sneer could curdle dairy. And violence-wise, my hands are not the cleanest. But despite my evil look and my temper and my hook, I re- always yearn to be a concert pianist. Can't you see me on the stage performing Mozart? Okay, he goes on, right? And, and each guy sings about their plan in life. Like, this is really what I, where I see my life going. This is really what I want to do in life. And they come over to Flynn Ryder. And Flynn is there, and he's like, I don't sing songs. This is not my game. And then they all pull out knives, and they're like, sing, buddy. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. And then he launches into his plans. He says, I've got dreams like you know really, just much less touchy-feely, that mainly happen somewhere warm and sunny, on an island that I own, tanned and rested and alone, surrounded by enormous piles of money. Like, so that's his dream, right? His dream is to get rich and get an island. That's his plan. And at the end of this, the bad guys start coming. Rapunzel and Flynn need to flee. And one of the guys says to Rapunzel, hey, chase your dream. And she's like, okay. And Flynn thinks he's talking to him. And he turns around and goes, okay, I will. And the guy says, no, no, not you. Your, your dream is stupid. <laughs> And so even Disney knows there are bad dreams. There are bad plans. Bad plans can lead to bad places. And there's two real ways that we can have bad plans. We can have bad planning or we can plan bad. What do you mean by that, Kevin? Well, the first is bad planning. In Proverbs 15, verse 22, it says this. Without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. What is it saying? If you just go in on your own and you try to make a good plan, you will end up frustrated. The thing is with bad plans or planning poorly is another way to say it, is that people end up frustrated, you or the people you're with. 
Proverbs 12.15 says it this way. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. You see, the book of Proverbs is primarily written from a, from a father figure to a son. It's written from a dad to a son, and plans are extremely important because most guys don't make good plans, right? And it's not that they plan evil necessarily. We'll get to that in a second, but they just don't plan it out. I mean, YouTube is full of this. Just click on it, and you watch some guy, I'm going to climb up on my roof and jump onto the trampoline. This will work out well, right? And we may laugh at that, but that's bad planning. That's poor planning. That's, that's bad planning and ending up in a place where you don't want to be. You may have experienced this. You're driving in your car. You're driving across country. I can make it on, my, on the gas that I have. Do I need a map? Mm, I've got GPS. Not in West Texas, okay? And suddenly you get in a place where GPS is out, gas is getting low, and you realize, oh, crud, I did not plan well. But there's not only bad planning. You can literally plan bad. You can have well-orchestrated evil plans. God says this of evil plans. Proverbs 6, 16 through 18. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly toward evil. You see, we can come up with plans, well-orchestrated, well-planned-out plans, that, whose end result is just wrong. When I was in college, uh, there was a, a, the, the swim team would put on a, a party at the beginning of every year. And it was a well-orchestrated, well-planned-out party to get everyone drunk. Right? So they would show, soak cherries in Everclear for different lengths, of period of, uh, different lengths of time. They would spend lots of money getting lots of alcohol. They would get ice luges to get people drunk quicker. And it was a well-thought-out, well-orchestrated plan. And the Bible says, yeah, that's, that's, that's a bad plan. Hitler had one of the worst plans that was very well-orchestrated. An engineered plan for genocide. Proverbs 15.26 says this, Evil plans are an abomination to the Lord, but pleasant words are pure. You see, the problem with bad plans is this. People get frustrated or people get hurt. Sometimes both. And as you think about your plans, you think about the direction you want your life to go, you can plan it poorly or you could have plans that just hurt people. And God says, look, that's not the type of planning that I'm talking about. I'm talking about, in fact, the exact opposite of that. I'm talking about good planning. Planning that helps people and doesn't hurt people. Planning that that leads to life that doesn't lead to death. And in contrast to bad planning, there's good plans. And simply good plans take good planning. I had a coach in college, um, where I ran track, and he would say the most profound statements with the simplest phrasing. And it seemed so obvious, he just kind of blew it off. But he would say stuff like this, if you want to run fast, you've got to run fast. 
what do you even mean by that, right? And he was young and educated, so I know he wasn't just dumb, but so, so what did he mean by that? And he said, well, the way we structure our training is that we have long, slow runs to train you for strength and distance strength. But you also need short runs, shorter distance that you run faster because if you train your body to run faster in shorter distances, you will be able to run faster for longer distances. And you've got to train your body differently to get different results, to get better. And the same is true with planning out your life. If you want to accomplish greater things, you've got to develop better plans. And there's a way to plan out your life that's wise and good. And so what I really want to give you are four things, four pieces that need to be part of your planning process. Now, these aren't magical, and doing them won't guarantee success in every venture in life. It's truisms. That's largely the book of Proverbs. Generally speaking, your life will be going in a better direction if you follow these steps or these pieces of making good plans. So begin, the first step to having good plans to go lead into good results is this, to slow down. Secondly, it's to get the right people. Third, is to make changes. And fourth, is to give God your plans. So the first is to slow down. Proverbs 21, 5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. You know what the word diligent means? It means well thought out. It means patient. It also means faithfully working, not rash. It's often used of people that work on, on, on artistry. It's diligent. It's continually working day after day, and it leads surely to advantage. But if you, if you move hastily, if you rush into it, if you're a ready, fire, aim kind of person, you will be frustrated in your plans. Craig Rochelle is a pastor of, uh, of Life Church TV, and he says this, We often overestimate what we can accomplish in the short run and underestimate what we can accomplish in the long run. See, he started a church, and then he, he thought, okay, I'm going to jump into that church, and it's just going to be lights out. Everyone's going to think I'm amazing in, in everything that I do. And he had all of these elaborate plans of success, and he was just wanted to go fast. And what he realized after several years into it, he goes, man, I thought I could accomplish so much so short. But what I didn't realize is if I slowed down, if I was more diligent in my planning, I could accomplish a lot more over a long time rather than in the short run. Cal Newport uh, wrote a book, and it's called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Uh, he got that quote from Steve Martin because uh, Steve Martin would give uh, actors advice. He would, actors would come to him, hey, how do I get to be amazing like you in all sorts of movies, that sort of thing? And, and he said, well, I'll give you advice, but no one likes the advice that I give them. And they're like, come on, Steve, just give me the, the nugget. And he goes, be so good they can't ignore you. And when young actors heard that, they were like, oh, I thought I needed to call that guy, work the system. And he's like, no, 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 slow down. Focus on your craft, and then people will, will see what you're doing and then elevate you. He talks about several people that start companies. He talked about one woman who started a, a yoga, yoga company, and she just said, I'm going to just follow my dream. I just want to jump in and do it. And so she sold all of her possessions, moved to New York, and tried to start her yoga, yoga company, and the thing flopped within a matter of months. 
Why? Because she had a dream, baby. No one could tell me no to my dream. I'm going to do it yesterday. I'm going to do it now, right? The first step, though, is to slow down. One of the hardest parts about being um, in a large organization like Grace Bible Church uh, is the pace of change. And whether you realize it or not, it's actually really slow. It's been seven years since we've, uh, seven or eight years since we planted this church. And the planning that went into that took a long period of time. And it's been about seven years since we started Creekside Campus. And part of the, one of the things that I've learned in looking at this large organization is that if you want to have success in your venture, you've got to slow down, get the right people in place, and then execute. There's so much wisdom that you can gain in just slowing down, not firing immediately. Secondly, it's this. Get the right people. When you're making plans, it's key to get the right people in the room helping you to make this decision. Proverbs 1.5 says this, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. And this is at the very beginning of Proverbs. At the very beginning of Proverbs, it says, look, if you want to be wise, here's what you've got to know. You don't have all the answers. Just because the, the decision comes into your mind doesn't mean it's the right one. And so what you need to do in making plans is, is increase learning, acquire wise counsel. That means you go find people that are wise and you bring them into the room to give you good advice. Proverbs 20.18 says the same thing. Prepare plans by consultation. Proverbs 20.18 says this. Prepare plans by wise counsel and make war by wise guidance. Andy Stanley has a large church in... Um, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And he has this podcast called The Leadership Podcast, where he gives leaders in all types of industries advice on how to lead their particular organization. And he says, the best thing you can do is to hire people that are smarter than you. It's funny, as, as he's sitting there with this, uh, a friend of his in this podcast that talks about the organization they're leading, and they ask themselves, I don't know if we'd even be hired into our current organization because we've surrounded ourselves with such wise people. And he says this, you're not the smartest person in the room. You're just the leader. And the best thing you can do in making plans is not to be the smartest person in the room. Don't surround yourself with people that are not as smart as, as, smart as you. Surround yourself with people that have expertise, that have wisdom in the area where you're trying to make the best decision. And the truth is this, in most areas of our life, we know this. Think about it in medicine. If you have a medical issue, what do you do? You go find the best people to get the best diagnosis. My wife's a veterinarian, and she, uh, she went to a, a clinic here recently, and she was just needing some help, and she was asking about um, the types of medications they were giving her, and she was just very sweet about it. And, uh, and so the nurse said to her, okay, are, do you know anything about medicine? And she says, well, I'm a veterinarian. And the woman goes, wow, but you're so nice. And she didn't quite know how to take that. And she goes, no, no, no. Usually doctors make the worst patients <laughs> because they're used to being the smartest person in the room and they don't want other people to tell them how to, how to medicate themselves. They want to be the one in charge. They don't want anyone else to tell them how to do it. But listen, companies that make the biggest impact bring in lots of consultants. We've done this at Grace. 
We brought in an entire organization company to help us make better decisions as a church, even though they're not directly in the field. Disney did the same thing. I'll just say this. I'm sorry about all the Disney illustrations, but gosh, they fit. Okay, so, so this. For decades, Disney made the best decisions when it came to animation. And for decades, they set the bar for what great animation looked like. And you've seen them, from Snow White all the way to Lion King, uh, song creation, animation. They were setting the bar until about 1995. And then in 1995, a new organization called Pixar came out. It was led by Steve Jobs. Remember that little foray? And they came out with movies like Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo. And suddenly, Pixar had changed the game. Suddenly, animation took a new direction. It was, it was more toward this uh, video animation of, of movies. And so what do you, and Disney, they literally are losing the fight towards entertainment. And so what did they do? They bought Pixar. It's nice when you have unlimited resources, right? But, but they realized that they weren't the best at where animation was going. They didn't have the best tools, and so what they decided to do was bring in experts that were very, very good to help them make better decisions. And if you read about the process, what happened is that creativity from Pixar was spread throughout the entire organization and made everything better. See, they knew they didn't have the best answers. What they needed was to go get people that did and bring them in. And more recently, Disney just bought Marvel, right? Very excited about that. And the chief executive of Disney, Robert Eager, told CNN Money this. This is perfect from a strategic perspective. This treasure trove of over 5,000 characters offers Disney the ability to do what we do best. Which makes you ask the question, okay, what does Disney do best? Market, produce, and sell to children, right? And make theme parks. Okay, we visited And so what they did is they took all of this in the go. They realized we don't create the best stories. We don't have all the best tools. But what we're going to do is bring in wise people, creative people, to help us make what we're doing better. And the same needs to be true in your life. You're not the smartest person in the room. You're not. But what you need around you are wise people to help you make better decisions. And so who do you consult on who to date? Young people. She looks hot. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, there's got to be something more than that. What about her character? What about who she is? What about her family? I don't ask those questions. Okay, well, well, maybe you should get around wise people that will help you make that better decision. What do you do in making a career choice? Well, I'm tired of my job. Okay, well, is it best for you to punt now and jump somewhere else? I don't know. Well, get good advice. Get a ring of counselors in the room to help you make better decisions. And, And here's the truth. Here's why you need to grab those other people. Because someone is going to pay the dumb tax, okay? What do I mean by that? Someone else, someone is going to make mistakes, right? Someone's going to fluff. Why not let someone else pay the dumb tax for you and you learn from them? Parents, you know this, you, you, you try to protect your kids in the same way. You're like, don't do what I did in college or don't do what I did in high school. And you try But sometimes we don't want to receive that correction. We don't want to receive those people to tell us to live differently. But I tell you what, wise people bring in counselors to help them make better decisions. And thirdly, 
You make changes. You make changes. Proverbs 19.20 says this. Listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. Listen to counsel, accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. When you bring people in, they will point out your failures. They will point out where you've missed it. And in that moment, you have two responses that you can do to that, that correction, that change. You can say, well, you don't know me. Or you can listen to the advice and apply it to your situation. They said, wise people listen to counsel. They accept discipline. They accept the change, the correction that they bring. And then they are wise. And Proverbs twenty two seventeen says this, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. What is he saying? He said, lean in. Why do they, they call timeout in the middle of a basketball game? It's because things aren't going well. And the coach over there on the side is like, okay, this is, this is terrible. Time out, time out, time out. Come here. And he sits all the guys around, and all those guys lean in. And the coach draws up the play. He's got a perspective that those guys don't. And if he doesn't, he gets some of his other people to help them drop a play. Why? Because they've got to correct the situation. And you need counsel to help you do that. And you've got to change what you're doing. And Proverbs 28, 26 says this. Most of you are going to hate this verse because this is very countercultural. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Wait a minute, okay. But I told my little baby to follow her heart. I know. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. You don't have all the answers here, and what you need to do is accept that advice and make corrections to what you're doing. And this is the hardest part. Making corrections is the hardest part. I, 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 I totally believe that. Because most of us walk into our plans and we're like, hey God, my name is Kevin and I have a wonderful plan for my life. Jump on board, right? And when people walk in and start pointing out, hey, this is where you need to change. This is where you need to shift. We get frustrated. But listen, every story needs to go through cuts. Every story does. Movie makers know this. They get a script. It's a great script. It's a brilliant script. But they take it to a producer, they take it to a director, they bring in other writers to make cuts on the script. They bring in new characters, they cut out scenes. And if you've ever watched a movie where they show the director's cuts, like all the behind-the-scenes action, um, you see all the cuts that were made. I watched the, the entire 45-disc set of Lord of the Rings, okay? If I bought it, I'm going to watch it, Right? And there's lots of deleted scenes in there. There's lots of things that, that they produce, they put money on, and they realize that this doesn't move the storyline forward. This, this hampers the direction of the movie. So we have to cut it out. There was one scene that was horrible. Aragorn eats a bad bowl of soup, and if you've watched it, you, you've seen it, he eats a bad bowl of soup, and it's like pours it out and kind of cuts to the next scene. You're like, okay, I don't know how much money that took, but it was color corrected, it was edited, they acted in it, they were all made up for it, and it was horrible. And so they cut it. I was listening to a podcast um, with two comedians talking. And they were talking about how to get over that moment when a joke bombs. When a joke, they tell a joke, it's the punchline, and it falls flat. Everyone just kind of looks at them like they're an idiot. And so one of the guys said this. What I do is I cuss at the audience, and I say, I don't care who you are. That was funny. 
And I'm like, okay, well, that's one route. And the other guy said this. He goes, he goes you can do that, and you can spend your time thinking of, of witty retorts to your failed jokes. He says, but, but honestly, the best thing you can do is to take your lumps and craft better material. Realize that what you just wrote has to be cut, and you have to change it. Every movie knows this. Every comedian knows this. And making the cuts doesn't destroy the joke. Making the cuts doesn't destroy the movie. It moves the story to the right direction. There's one director named um, George S. Kaufman. And he used to stand in the back of the audience and count the syllables of a joke because he knew that if he could express the same idea in fewer words, he'd, make, he'd get a, bitter, a better reaction. The same is true with your life. You've got to make changes. You've got to make cuts. Because if you make the right cuts, you'll get a better reaction to your story. You'll have a better story. Wise people receive correction and craft better material with their lives. And you know what? Even Jesus had to do this. Hebrews 5.8 says this, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things in which he suffered. He had to learn through the obedience and the things which he suffered. And fourthly, we give God our plans. Proverbs 16.9 says this, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. You see, we all have plans in our life. We have the direction we want our life to go, and we want our plans to, to lead us in a place. Plans are like lines on a map. We want to travel this line to get to this de- destination. But here's the truth. The counsel of the Lord stands. God is guiding the direction of your life, and he may make major changes in your direction. And the hardest part in the planning process is when God does exactly that. When you've got a plan where your family is going and something moves in and brings a total shift to that moment. You see, you need a ring of counselors around your life for two reasons. One, to help you make better decisions in the planning process. And secondly, to help you process life when God brings a major shift in it. About two weeks ago, I was speaking at a camp um, for youth at a church. And I was sitting there at one point with lunch with a kid, and one of the, one of the moms who's kind of a kind of camp counselor person says, hey, I'm so glad you're going to sit with that guy. He's, he just looks down. And I sit with him, and I said, hey, hey buddy, what, what's, what's going on? What are you up to? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. He's kind of journaling. And I said, during lunch, which is weird, he's just journaling. And I go, I go, what are you writing about? He's like, no, it's personal. I said, okay. I said, well, what do you think about what's going on here? And he had told me that, that he didn't know anyone at camp. His mom had signed him up for this camp. They didn't even go to this church. And as we're sitting there, I'm like, I'm like so what, what are you thinking about what we're talking about? He's like, I've got three issues. He says, I've, I'm an atheist, and I haven't told my mom. He says, I've gotten drunk, and I've had sex. And I just don't feel like I fit here. I said, all right, well, I'm going I'm to press on the atheist piece. I said, that won't answer the questions that you have in life. He says, he says I know. I said, but, but listen to me. God is in control. And it's like, why are you an atheist? And he says this. 
about a year ago, a year and a half ago, my dad got deported to Brazil. And I've been praying that God would do something to bring him back, make it better, and God never answered me. I said, that's tough. That's brutal. I said, but just maybe, God brought some loser from College Station, Texas, all the way to Mo Ranch, Hunt, Texas, Kerrville, to a church I have no connection to. And maybe God brought you, unconnected to this church, unknowing these things, to hear this guy tell you about a God who actually does love you, even though your plans didn't work out just the way you wanted to. And maybe God is still in control, even in the midst of your uncertainty and frustration. He says, I don't know. I said, well, come tonight. Tonight's a gospel night. And I presented the gospel. People could respond. And he raised his hand. And I talked to him afterward. I said, what are you, what are you doing? That, what, what was that response? You came to faith? You're a Christian now? And he says, he says yeah, I, I realize. I need, to, I need to give God another chance. I said, well, give him a chance, but you need to dive in. <laughs> you need to jump in with him because he's got a better plan for your life. Even if you don't see where all the threads are intertwining, God actually has a better plan for your life. Even Garth Brooks knows this, right? Even Garth, right? So there's a song that came out when I was in junior high, right? And when I was in junior high, we used to go to uh, the mud building to have... um, these kind of little uh, junior high dance parties, right? So like it was a birthday party, we'd go to the utilities district building, and some DJ would be there playing a song, and we would all dance awkwardly together. Uh, It was a great junior high experience. And inevitably, uh, some DJ would play this song, Unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks, right? And if you don't know it, he says this, just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into my old high school flame, and as I introduced them, the past came back to me, And I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be. She was the one I wanted for all time. And each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine. How awkward is this moment, right? You just remember my now wife. And if he'd only grant me the wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. And then the chorus is this. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs. That just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And it's true. God does answer sometimes through silence. Sometimes he shifts your plan in a new direction. But it's not because God hates you. It's because he loves you. And you always don't know what's best for you. Sometimes God redirects your life, changes your plans, because it's in that place he can, he can give you what you most need. I've got one closing illustration, but we're going to do communion um, this morning. Some men who are preparing communion, can you get it ready? There's a poem by Martha Snell Nicholson, and she says it better than, than I can. It's called Treasures. She says this, One by one he took them from me, all the things I valued most. Until I was empty-handed, every glittering toy was lost. And I walked earth's highways grieving in my rags and poverty till I heard his voice inviting me, lift those empty hands to me. So I held my hands toward heaven and he filled them with his stores of his transcendent riches 
till they could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my stupid mind and dull that God could not pour his riches into hands already full. See, God knows what you need most. He's going to reject to redirect the course of your life. You plan well, and then you commit your plans to him. He knows what you most need, and sometimes he'll strip things from you because it's part of his greatest plan. Jesus had to learn this. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is on his knees praying. And the scripture records that, that sweat like blood is falling off his forehead. And in that moment, he prays, God, if there's a plan B, now's time. (laughs) And God, if you don't have a plan B yet, now would be the time to think of plan B. I don't want to go to the cross. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter says this, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, he went to the cross. You know what it says of Jesus in Hebrews? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? That the Father knew that this was the way to bring salvation to the world. There was no other way. And even though the plan wanted to be changed, Jesus said, all right, Lord, I submit to you. I submit to your plan in my life, even though it's not what I would prefer. I know and I trust this is what's best. As we prepare for communion, as the men come forward to serve, I would ask you this. What's your plans? For some of you, it's the process of planning that you need growth in, you need development in. For some of you, it's the release of your plans that God is pressing his finger on. So before we... um, take communion, um, I would ask you this. What, where are you with God? Have you come to the person of Jesus Christ, believed in his death for your sin and resurrection to purchase you freedom? And as you plan your steps, are you allowing God to make his corrections? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat with his disciples And he picked up a loaf of bread that was there, and as he picked it up, he said, This is my body that has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup. And he said, This is my blood that has been shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are in control of our lives. And Jesus, that you were obedient even to death, even death on a cross. And Lord, your submission to the plan of the Father was what brought freedom to all. And Lord, I pray that we might see our plans in a larger perspective. That you know the plans that you have for us to give us a future and a hope and not to bring calamity. You had a plan for the nation of Israel to lead them and bring us your son. And Lord, you have a plan for us. So Lord, I pray that in this moment we might remember and trust the Father who's leading us. Amen.